I kid you not, Triss. He turns himself into a pickle. He's called Pickle Rick. Funniest shit I've ever seen. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to episode 1.5 of the Tengri Dome. This episode is brought to you by Twitter, putting on their biggest clown shoes this week. Yeah, I got suspended. And apparently I'm not the only one, seeing as thousands of people are currently complaining about being suspended for no reason at all, and getting blank emails telling them about uh, being suspended. But the upside of this is that uh, it gave me enough time to kind of uh, get... Uh, to kind of catch up on all the podcasts and articles that came out about the upcoming fights. And it kind of got me thinking. Uh, it got me thinking about the way people think about analysis and the way they think about fights in general. And uh, really, having listened uh, to the more prominent MMA uh, uh, podcasts, uh, that, for example... Uh, heavy hands or like Jack Slack's uh, filthy casuals guide in his uh, new episode, as well as of course to our own uh, MMA podcast hosted by Danny and Srivam. This episode, uh, this week's episode, featured at Gallo, the boy at Gallo, and kind of gave me the idea uh, to record a bit of a meta podcast about. Uh, uh, about picking fights. I'm not going to go too in-depth. This is, uh, once again, an unscripted, uh, just a spur-of-the-moment sort of thing. Just just kind of got this idea and decided to record uh, while it's still in my head. I still don't know how we're going to run this, uh, or if this is going to be a bonus episode or something like that. But anyway, when you think about it, a lot of the time the conclusions that people arrive to regarding fights can be uh, identical, because, I mean, really, there's only, like, uh, two or three ways you could, uh, two or three conclusions you could come to, uh, with any given fight. Uh, that is, if you're picking, picking results that are within reason. But the process through which you arrive to this conclusion is always different for every person. And some are, some may be considered flawed, some may be considered, uh, somewhat incomplete, uh, but uh, the bottom line is the bottom line is that uh, no no two processes are the same. And to be honest, the, the way I kind of uh, pick fights and the way I go about uh, doing this uh, is kind of uh, I just tend to go with my gut, <laughs> and only then I retroactively kind of add uh, reasoning and uh, uh, arguments to it. Which is, I suppose, how many of us do it, with the exception of like uh, extremely well schooled and extremely experienced people who just watched a ton of fights. Uh, I'm sure some of them will argue otherwise. Because when you, when you think, come to think of it, if you're extremely experienced and you've watched a ton of fights, you kind of get this uh, get this instinct, this instinctual kind of ability to nail down the particular dynamic in your in, in uh, dynamic of the fight in your head because you've seen so many and you kind of compare can kind of compare them to each other uh, but that's rather neither here nor there 
and uh, you, 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 you get my point. Everyone is different. What's an earth-shatteringly novel concept? But yeah, uh, I'm sure those of you who have listened uh, to Danny and Spiron's uh, episodes about Easy vs. Costa, they've mentioned uh, an unpublishable... Uh, Two unpublish- unpublishable episodes where we tried to talk about Costa, do some like preliminary preliminary analysis about uh, the, the fight, and I was uh, supposed to be a guest on those. It kind of fell through because uh, the first one turned out to be like an insane, chaotic, uh, verbal shit post, because genuinely the upcoming fight was uh, the upcoming fight was so boring, was so so uninteresting and featured so little uh, of note that we kind of spent uh, the whole episode talking about milking Costa's tits. But there were uh, some there was some thought put into this because I've prepared a bit of a uh, uh, I've prepared a list of bullet points uh, for that episode to where the the, uh, uh, second half was um, about Easy versus Costa, and the bottom line uh, was uh, that you can't really kind of, you can't really discount any scenarios from this fight. It's uh, just there's a lot of wrinkles and a lot of depth to this fight, and uh, sadly the format doesn't allow us to really get uh, really go. Uh, I suppose balls deep, seeing as this is the horniest fight of all time, or at least the latest ten years. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot of you, you, you can cover within 40 minutes or within 30 minutes or whatever the time, whatever time constraints they were operating on. But yeah, the thing is that uh, there's a lot to this fight, and uh, when you look at this. Uh, you can't really rule out any possibility with this fight. You were safe for, I don't know, a submission win for either of them. And even then, Costa is uh, apparently a very accomplished grappler. I don't know. I don't exactly recall what his credentials are. But uh, he's supposed to be a credential grappler, nonetheless. And uh, Izzy, although his uh, grappling is very messy, he's kind of. He's got a solid uh, grasp of it. He's uh, got of a bit of a. Bit of a mind for grappling, but seeing as he's a, he's this uh, combat sports prodigy, it's not really surprising. But like, if uh, someone gets knocked out in the first round, it's just, as as Danny uh, pointed out on the podcast, I would not be surprised, and I would not be surprised if someone got sparked in like the fourth or the fifth. Listen, the episode was really good. Just listen to it. <laughs> I'm not going to go into. Uh, tremendous detail about my own pick. Uh, rather, I would like to talk about my feelings about my pick, which uh, you might, as you might have guessed, are very iffy. Personally, I'm picking easy, but uh, it's got like 150 asterisks, asterisks above each uh, bullet points as to why I think easy would win. Because Costa has a bit of a foolproof kind of thing, foolproof sort of a uh, style. But the main thing about uh, the way people describe Costa is that he's this like uh, 
a chugging locomotive of violence, like uh, goes nuts on defense, etc., etc. But the thing is that is uh, the question is uh, not not uh, what he does, I think, but uh, uh, how he does it and why. If you've read my article on MMA fundamentals, which I mentioned in the previous episode, called UFC's Meatpacking Plan Part Three, I talk about the questions of uh, where. Uh, why and how? These are the questions a fighter must answer in order to uh, manufacture a winning game plan. Like, where the fight would go. And I'm not talking about taking someone down, though it's a... Uh, it may... Uh, it's a part of it. It's a question of where do you want your opponent to go? What, which positions do you want him to take? And... Uh, why do you want to take these positions? For example, Costa is a pressure fighter because uh, it allows him to leverage his natural gifts in the most efficient way. Or at least he thinks so. And the question of how is uh, which tools you're going to pick from your arsenal in order to do that. And like, there's fights that uh, generally tend to rely on the big picture, picture sort of stuff. Not like individual tools and uh, individual decisions, but rather the overall picture a fighter has in their mind of the fight and what they're going to do. Like, what they want to do, rather. And when you think about Izzy versus Costa, it's kind of both. Like, with this fight, uh, uh, it's like, alright, uh, Costa is going to pressure, Izzy is going to, uh, like, is, is going to have to employ a smart ringcraft to win the fight. But you also can't really discount the individual things because they're these fighters are both at a fairly high level when it comes to their grasp on MMA fundamentals. Not all of them, of course, but uh, a good deal. A good portion. Because, for example, it's been pointed out that uh, Costa's last few fights and his most efficient work was done in an, an, op in an open stance matchup. And... Izzy is predominantly orthodox, although he's uh, uh, fairly well scored when, when it comes to using uh, a south when fighting in southpaw stance. But if he comes out orthodox, which he prefers to do anyway, what if Costa just uh, is going to just start slamming leg kicks? But conversely, it just opens up uh, the jab for Izzy, which is uh, reasonably. Uh, uh, he's got a reasonably educated jab, and Costa's been jabbed up in the Uriah Hall fight. And, and then you get to the question of ringcraft. Uh, will Izzy's uh, back foot ringcraft and pivots and all that is go going to be uh, enough to beat uh, Costa's uh, non-stop pressure? And Costa's a decent cage counter, and uh, he doesn't tend to just follow guys around. And uh, he's not a blitzer as opposed to some of Izzy's previous fights, uh, most notably Robert Whittaker. But conversely, the uh, the slower pace of Costa and the way he kind of... Well, he's not slow pace, but his entries are kind of more measured. So he takes his time to kind of cut, off, cut you off, kind of uh, herd you to the fence and all that. And it kind of may give uh, Izzy some time to build reads. Uh, which is uh, to his benefit because uh, when he came in against uh, the Whitaker, he built his reads immensely quick, which is something that's very pointed out. 
And so on and on you get these variables upon variables upon variables and uh, it kind of makes you less and less confident in your pick. And nailing a particular dynamic becomes, becomes very difficult. And even if you feel confident about a read because you've seen a fighter perform this over and over and over again, with particularly high-level fighters, it doesn't necessarily discount the possibility that they might have adjusted in between fights. Like, sure, they're speaking, uh, they're speaking a fighter to do something he doesn't necessarily tend to do, or just uh, expecting a fighter to kind of pull out a skill set out of his ass in between fights, which is something that never happens, of course. Well, with some caveats, but... Uh, it's rare. But fighters tend to... But fighters as smart as easy tend to kind of come up with a particular tools they use uh, from uh, opponent to opponent. Tools they specifically picked against that opponent. And Izzy is a particularly deep fighter to... Uh, he's deep enough for me to kind of... Um, Kind of, uh, it makes you want to keep this in mind, is what I'm trying to say. You have to keep this in mind. Now, same with Consta, he's still young, he's unbeaten, he hasn't faced uh, stern enough opposition, uh, aside from, of course, Yo Romero, but we could not, you could, could, can't discount the possibility that uh, maybe he's going to try a more measured approach. What if he decides? Okay, I'm not going to just uh, go gas, 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 gas. Uh, full throttle. 16,000 RPM. Fuck it, I'm going to kill him. He could pick an idea. Uh, he could have a, the idea of just... Oh, this is uh, the opportunity of a lifetime. And uh, maybe I should fight somewhat smarter. Maybe not invent a new way to fight, but maybe... Use the threat of my power, and the threat of my pace, and the threat of my durability in a more in a more measured way. Where I don't just go from uh, beginning till the end. Maybe I just take a pause. And maybe this lull in action kind of give Easy something to think about. And since Easy is the time to kind of... Uh, the time that has to uh, build up reads and maybe maybe if I just explode at him and then create a lull in the action he's going to have a hard time figuring me out. And there's just nuances upon nuances to this fight and it, it, it happens often. Like in the Geisha vs Tony fight, most people just uh, tended to concentrate on the fact that uh, Tony's been dropped and uh, uh, Geiji is much more potent in the pocket. So, everyone picked Geiji by... Oh, well, people in the know picked Geiji by knockout in round 2 or 1 or 3. Uh, people thought Tony is going down and it's not going to last long. And uh, we all know how that turned out. The overall pick wasn't necessarily wrong, it's just that the... Uh, picture of the fight people, the image of the fight that people had in their minds wasn't necessarily entirely correct. 
And then you think about those intangibles, like things like, uh, for example, knockouts aren't a sure thing. It's isn't a, it's 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 not a precise science. There's an argument that could be made uh, about Tony's ability to soak up this much damage from Gagey is that, uh, as much as I hate to give Daniel Cormier credit, but uh, he is a fighter and he knows the, these things because he's got first-hand experience fighting, is that Tony clenched up before each hit because he sort of already expected to get hit upon entry. He knew he's going to get punished for entering within uh, Gage's effective range. And as we know, it's uh, not the punch... Uh, it's not the most... The most powerful punches don't necessarily knock you out. If you saw them coming. It's the punch that you that you don't see coming. That's the punch that knocks, knocks you out. Or at least yields the highest potential of knocking you out. And chins and ability to withstand punishment are... Are a weird thing. This is why it, this is one of those reasons why combat sports sort of has this uh, library of old wives' stories in terms of uh, uh, like things like how do you condition your knuckles? How do you uh, take a punch to the gut? Is it possible to condition yourself to with uh, body shots, etc., etc.? Uh, granite chins, being chinny, all that stuff. This is one of those things where fighting becomes an intersection of fighting as a science and fighting as an art. Because, yeah, coming back to Costa vs. Easy, uh, when you think about it, scientifically, it's about things like ringcraft, positioning, attacking these positions, taking the more beneficial angles for attack or defense, building reeds, uh, employing certain weapons against your opponent's weapons, uh, leveraging your strengths and weaknesses in such a way that uh, the weaknesses are curtailed and the strengths are emphasized. This is the f science of fighting. This is the science of game planning, and this is the science of winning. But there is also an art to this. The human element. Costa's been portrayed as a dumb, bigoted brute. And maybe, in a sense, he is. While Adesanya is the more thoughtful, the more scientific, the more... the, the, the craftier fighter uh, that holds uh, objectively more progressive views. And thinks about stuff like uh, uh, equality, Gender dynamics, all that stuff. So one tends to assume that he's the more thoughtful of the two. He's the one with the broader spectrum of interests, which is shown, which is demonstrated by his love of love of pop culture and uh, pop culture things like anime, which is uh, not exactly mainstream anywhere. So we think about this and how it correlates with their fighting styles. And uh, there is uh, this is a, a ground that's rife for fallacies, but uh, but uh, the answer to this normally would be to just focus on the scientific side, of, uh, scientific side of fighting. But uh, you really can't can't discount the art side of fighting. 
because this is where all those intangibles come into play. And I'm not arguing that <laughs> Adesanya's love of anime is going to win him the fight. No, <laughs> that would be that would be stupid. But uh, let's take, for example, the concept of heart. The concept of mental toughness, mental durability, stamina, whatever. It's not really something you can quantify or something you can measure. Not yet, at least. Given enough, enough time and tools and enough uh, resources, math can measure anything. But right now it can't measure that. And when you look at previous fights of uh, Polo Costa, you kind of think, oh, he keeps a pace he, he can't exactly uh, keep. Or rather, he pushes a pace he can't keep. And uh, as a result, he gasses out. Like, for example, in, in the uh, Romero fight, which was, uh, to be fair, uh, featured uh, zero breaks in the action. It was balls-to-the-wall balls action from the opening bell till the end of the fight. And you saw Costa deflate and uh, just kind of fall apart past the seven-minute mark past even the first round even and uh, you, you when looking at this fight you kind of uh, I remember seeing this fight live and it kind of felt like oh he's done yeah Costa's done here and uh, my first uh, at first glance I kind of scored it for Yoel because I tend to have this bias when it comes to judging fights it's that uh, Whoever scored the most at the end of each round and at the end of the fight is the one who kind of wins the fight, unless the other guy built up a massive lead. And uh, arguably Costa did in this one, but uh, yeah, I thought Costa just deflated and you all kind of uh, started beating the shit out of him by the end. And if it went another two rounds, you all might have finished him. But uh, upon uh, revisiting that fight, I saw Costa start fighting back fighting his way back into the fight by the end of it, by the end of the third. And it just bums me, it just bums me out that I didn't get to see a five-round main event with Costa versus Romero, because this should have been the main event of that uh, card, instead of uh, Stipe versus DC2, which was, well, funny, not as, not as interesting or entertaining. So, like, he possesses enough mental fortitude to withstand a, uh, an enormous amount of punishment from uh, Yo Romero while also not bullying him. And uh, many people have pegged Costa as a bully. And, like, if Izzy is, is not going to break, then uh, Costa is going to deflate and get finished. Which is, uh, which is of course, a distinct possibility, but uh, also it doesn't uh, take into account the fact that Costa is able to... Uh, find his way into the fight. And while it not may not necessarily win him the fight, it's also something you have to take into account later on when picking uh, Costa against other people. Or picking against Costa against other people. And like, the general tendency goes is that uh, in MMA it doesn't uh, happen a lot that uh, people uh, fight back their way into the fight after taking an, an enormous beating because... Uh, much like with uh, many other combat sports, but particularly with MMA, where initiative kind of dictates everything. 
but uh, it's uh, just one of those things. You can't prepare for it and you can't measure it. Like, for example, we saw uh, Nate Diaz against Conor McGregor where he overtook uh, Conor to buy the by the end of the fight, when he started just to just walk him down and uh, take punches on the top of his head. Well, it was a bit of a scientific decision to do that, because uh, when punches glance off the top of your head, it doesn't necessarily hurt you as much. Not in the short term, at least. It's also a question of uh, character, uh, of personality. If your personality uh, allows you to do that, to just I'm, to to just go I'm going to, to to just take and give, I'm just going to walk through everything. Uh, this is uh, this becomes an intangible, and this is something you have to uh, take into account when uh, analyzing fights. And then you get fights where someone has a bone to pick or something to prove, and uh, more often than not it's a kind of fails, you know, but. Uh, Unless it's unless it's backed up by a solid game plan or a solid set of tools or shot selection or all the other scientific stuff that makes you win fights. <laughs> I'm sure my friends at the fight side are going to start memeing, memeing at me for this and uh, saying stuff like Iggy believes that Shonen anime is real and the power of friendship wins fights. No, I'm not saying that. The point here is that fight analysis is a lot harder than it looks. When uh, looking at uh, uh, articles and fight analysis and Twitter threads about this fight, about the uh, Israel versus Costa fight, uh, what I saw a lot of is uh, threads full of GIFs and uh, videos of uh, Easy's in Easy's previous fights and Costa's previous fights, and where they kind of just describe what what they did against one another. Uh, what Easy did did against his opponents, and Costa did against his brother, and not 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 going into why they did it or how they did it. It's just here's what they did. A bit of a retroactive play-by-play -play commentary, if you will. Uh, to paraphrase my good friend Dan Albert, uh, who's you can find him on Twitter at uh, typewriting Dan, give him a follow. He writes uh, very fascinating articles about fighting and uh, very informative. Does solid work, and uh, he pointed out that uh, analysis isn't simply just here's what happened. You have to address, like. Uh, address the questions of how and why and what motivated this decision what uh, and uh, kind of compare it to other fighters who performed the similar feats during those during their bouts and uh, you kind of have to do a lot of rewatches and uh, maybe do a rewatch without the commentary maybe maybe watch an older fight and compare it to the more recent fight and in the end you can still end up being wrong um, and then you get people saying that Costa is going to uh, murder Adesanya simply because Adesanya lost by via get by getting knocked out with a left hook uh, against uh, uh, Pereira. And people were saying the same about uh, Whitaker against Adesanya as well. That uh, Whitaker is a good 
has a good left hook and he's going to knock Izzy out. And in the end, he turned out to be the most vulnerable to his own weapon and he got knocked out instead. So context matters in these things. In these things, rather. <sighs> I mean... I suppose you've got my point you know, from this uh, like a weird ramble, a weird, uh, barely interconnected ramble about uh, the nature of fight analysis and something about the power of heart, <laughs> the light of your soul that's going to allow you to win fights against uh, overwhelming opposition, which it won't. <laughs> <laughs> it never, it almost never does, but it's something you have to keep in mind. It's a nice mindset to have. But what brought this on is uh, that uh, there's going to be a uh, fight picks article coming out on the fight site uh, soon, and it's it's going it's going to feature my personal pick and uh, my personal and uh, my reasoning is outlined and. Uh, Decent amount of detail, but uh, I gotta say, I'm not so sure anymore. The more you learn about things, the more you feel, the more you start feeling not uh, exactly insecure, but uh, less sure. And I think uh, my friends at the fine side are going to, and many other fight analysts are going to kind of, are going to agree with me, like uh, this feeling you get after you. Very confidently, or even uh, very confidently, confidently pick something and uh, uh, provide your read on things. And even when you when you aren't actually confident, even when you kind of give uh, a bunch of caveats and uh, asterisks to your pick, and then and even then you kind of feel like, "Fuck! What if I'm wrong? What if I missed something?" There's going to be a lot of embarrassment. Uh, this entire, like, well, I guess job is uh, filled with things like this. It's, you are going to feel embarrassed at some point or another. You are. And it's fine. It's totally fine to be wrong. As long as you take this into account and... Uh, Use this in the future. Use this as a learning experience. And also, as many will will, will confirm, uh, many analysts, is that it feels better to, uh, and is generally, uh, it feels better, it, it both feels better and actually is better to kind of get a solid read on the fight and for it to, to turn out to be mostly correct but the prediction will turn out to be wrong. And it's fine, because even though the fighter you picked lost, the picture of the fight that you outlined was still true. So, that means that your analysis was largely right. But what it also means is that uh, you missed, missed an intangible, for example. One of those intangibles that I've outlined in the previous, uh, in, 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 that I, intangibles that I've outlined earlier. 
And it's fine to kind of to sort of miss them or sometimes even overlook them because that's why they're called intangibles. They're called they're intangibles because you can't really measure them and kind of uh, you kind of have to. There's a lot of guesswork and work involved with them. But the reason I'm saying all this is that uh, it kind of feels to me that uh, there's really more than meets the eye to both these fighters involved. To the both fighters involved in this main event, because uh, because I feel like people are sort of underestimating Paulo Costa's craftiness, and uh, maybe there's some hidden depths to him. Because to me, he's demonstrated the ability to uh, to push through adversity, and uh, he. To me, he's proved that uh, he's not necessarily a bully that falls apart at the slightest uh, at the slightest possibility of resistance. He can't bulldoze through, and uh, people are sort of un are sort of underestimating Izzy's personal toughness and personal strength, especially when when you consider his origins and who he is. That is, a black man in MMA. And we all know how the fan base is. I suppose this podcast is uh, like a bit of me trying to cover my ass. <laughs> uh, adding enough asterisks to my read so that I do not end up with an egg on my face. Uh, when push comes to shove. But uh, this theme of intangibles is something that I feel will come into play later when uh, when the Gage versus Habib fight happens. I think, like, uh, we're going to cover this in detail, of course, in the upcoming weeks, uh, in articles and in podcasts and uh, other stuff, in videos. But a lot of the time with matchups that seem clear on paper, there's a lot of... Uh, there, there tends to be uh, more than meets the eye to them. And you can't necessarily know the situation of each fighter coming into the fight. Uh, his well, You can't know his frame of mind. Even if you, like, learn about something happening in, in inside his household, it doesn't necessarily give you the insights... The, the amount of ne insight necessary to kind of nail where he's at mentally right now. So you end up uh, relying on the, your understand understanding of fighting as a science. Because those are quantifiable. And mo mo most importantly, those are quantifiable with an eye test, unlike certain, certain other things. Especially when you get fighters like Tony Ferguson, for example, who kind of gets dropped in every fight against middling opposition and then eats 50 bombs uh, to the face and still remains standing and doesn't get knocked out. And then can be seen dancing in his hospital gown <laughs> after being hospitalized from such a, an enormous, uh, scary, frightening beating. What an enigma that man is. Yeah. 
Picking fights is hard. <laughs> analyzing uh, analyzing them is even harder. So, yeah, I wasn't kidding when I said that uh, a lot of my podcasts are just going to be things that I that I would normally put into a Twitter thread. But uh, now I've got an excuse because I've got suspended. So take this into account if you want to bust my balls about this. Anyway, time to wrap up. Uh, thanks goes to Ad Gallo for allowing me to do this. <laughs> uh, other editors would not have let me do this. Especially not in this format, at least. Subscribe to our channel. Uh, check out fightside.com. That's the fight dash site.com check out our patreon you get multiple benefits from subscribing to our patreon check out hyperfly for all your grappling needs and maybe other needs maybe if you want to cosplay as a maybe if you want to cosplay as a cobra kai fighter then <laughs> uh, it's up to you and uh Stay tuned. The hymn was a trap,